Well, hey, what are we doing today? Today, we're going on a journey. Oh, I like journeys. Across the pond. Oh, ac- across the pond. Wait, <clears throat> across the pond. That's terrible. Just, that's terrible. That's yeah. Terrible. <laughs> we'll get better at it. Yes. Maybe. Across the pond. What are we going? What are we doing? We're going across the pond and into potential other worlds. Other worlds. I think it's an interesting connection to where we're in with the MCU, right? With oh. multiverse. With uh-huh. other realities, potentially uh-huh. on the cusp. Witches. No witches. No witches. Fairies. Fairies. Okay. I'm diggity diggity down with fairies. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And Justin does better accents than me. Right, right. Rude. All right, so... Let's get in it. What's happening? What's up? What's up? Show me that book. Show me that book. Now, you you read ahead today. I did. Well, I, I didn't read ahead. I just started my homework of reading Dawn of X. Yeah, but you read something. What did you read? Excalibur. Yeah. and Number it was, uno. Yeah, it was a little confusing. Yeah, and that's why I said witches. Yeah. Today, we're going to be reading Excalibur. The sword is drawn. Is this the OG Excalibur? This is the original start to the Excalibur series. Bum, bum, bum. You are all sorts of interested. Look at your eyes darting <laughs> around so that cover. There's so many things. There's so cover. many things. So many things. Open it up. Give it to me. Excalibur. And I actually, I just found this recently on online happened into it. I had never had a copy of The Sword is Drawn. So similarly to New Mutants that started with a graphic novel, this yes. starts with a special edition. A special edition. So Wait, okay, let me see. Do I know okay, any of these peeps on the cover? Nightcrawler. Yep. Um I know this is Captain Britain because yep. I'm a cheater. Kate, Kitty. K- Kitty, yep. Shadowcat. Yep. Sprite. Whatever. What is she in this? She is Shadowcat, officially Shadowcat. Officially official. I know I know who this person is. Mm-hmm. Is this? Context from the Dawn of X. Context from some of the stories that we've talked about in Claremont's run. I don't remember. I can't remember her name. Rachel. Oh, that's Rachel. I just like, I don't know what it is about this little weird costume that just gets me all confused. The spikes and yeah, yeah, that connects to her history, which we're not really going to delve into right now, but her history from the future that she's from. Who's this blondie? Megan. Megan. I have questions about Megan. Half mutant, half fairy. Oh, that's why she has pointy ears. Yep. Okay. And who's this? This friend i'm not gonna be naming any of those guys so those those are those are the villains of sorts or bounty hunters those are the tech net the tech net and then the war wolves are these like snow dog looking bird things yep that's a great description (laughs) yep so before we actually get started we have a couple of things to talk about oh we do let's get into it as y'all might know we are on patreon and we are you know doing our best to take the podcast to the next level so we have a three dollar a month patreon subscription that you could sign up for and if you are part of our mutant and proud group you get some cool behind the scenes features so far things have been photos screenshots of text messages between justin and i recordings of what i have labeled couch conversations or couch convos which are times when justin and i just start going off talking about something that we're not recording that i think we should be recording so i start recording it on my phone and we are now going to be putting up little mini episodes that further explain things that we talk about regularly on the show take a little bit of a deeper dive so we're going to have a mini episode that is what did you say the front and back of god loves man kills it's the framing pages that were added when God Loves Man Kills was re-released this year. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. So we are going to be recording that also today while we record this episode, and that's going to be going up on our Patreon this week. So Fingers crossed. Yeah. So yeah, check us out on Patreon, get some behind-the-scenes things, and uh, help us grow our little podcast. 
And before we get started, we have a review. Ah, yes, I love a review. Five stars. Such charisma. Ooh, charisma. What by, a word. By Deathcry99. Ooh, baby. Thank you, Deathcry. This show is such a joy to listen to! Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's a joy to read your review. Hey, if you like the show and you're on iTunes, leave us a review. It yes. actually really helps other people find us. And, you know, I'm fishing for it. We want it. We give, need it. Give it to us. Help we us. We need it. Help. Help. Help me to help you. Tell your friends, too, you know? Tell your friends about the podcast. Now, again, I remember it was our last episode, God Loves, Man Kills. There was a lot of preamble. Oh, yeah. There was a lot, a lot of, of context setting. There's going to be a little bit of that today, too. That's okay. We've, I can. I, I don't feel as much anticipation about opening this book as I did about God Loves, Man Kills. So I can sit here and I can deal. I was going through that recording and there's so many. Oh, oh okay. Can we? Can All right. Can we? No. Geez, I, I need to tell you something. Sorry. So a lot has changed since God Loves, Man Kills. Okay. That was in 1982. Mm-hmm. Excalibur, The Sword is Drawn is in 1988. There have been a couple of crossovers. Okay. Secret Wars was a crossover in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm, I've heard of this. The Mutant Massacre. Oh, unfortunately, I've heard of this. Was a crossover in the X-Men line. Mm-hmm. And The Fall of the Mutants was kind of a crossover in the X-Men line as well. Okay. So Taking it all in. The Mutant Massacre. You've yes. heard about this. You yes. know kind of what it happens. Is that Genosha? Nope. No, it's something different. So The Mutant Massacre. Basically... There were too many mutants drawn in the alley, the alley being where the Morlocks live. And they're like, what are we going to do with all these mutants? We should kill them. Oh, that's <laughs> kind. Just who? Who? Wait, who, hold on. When you say too many mutants drawn, like on paper, there was too many mutants. In, in an issue, the alley looked overcrowded. There have been a couple of issues where they've gone in the alley. Storm is now the leader of the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. That's in the cartoon, so okay for like a hot second. Yep. So, so it's also in the filed comments. in my brain. <laughs> she becomes the leader of the Morlocks, and there's an attack in the Morlock tunnels. By who? The Marauders. <gasps> the original Marauders. Oh my goodness gracious! Because we've talked about Marauders, the new title. Yes, and that's why. Well, we haven't actually released an episode about Marauders. But we've talked we've talked about, about Marauders, but that's why Storm. Not a fan of the title. Not a fan of the name, The Marauders. Oh, snap. Some of this I'm going to introduce as we go. Because okay. I don't think I don't think we need all of this introduction in the beginning. But just these couple of points as framing the mutant massacre. Yes. A lot of Morlocks died. So mutant on mutant crime? Yes. Oof. Assassins hired by an unknown at this time person. For what I'm going to deem as a ridiculous reason. Sure. Yep. <laughs> We just drew too many of them, so let's get rid of them. Well, I mean, they weren't hired by the Marvel <laughs> creative team. It was pinned on a on an in-world person. Well, right, yes. of course, I'm just saying. <laughs> Magneto was like, I can't draw all these people. In that same event, two of our heroes are injured. Injured? Critically. Critically? Kitty is hit with harpoons, harpoon. Yes, there's a character named Harpoon, and he throws an electro harpoon. Okay, that's fine. I can get behind that. She tries to have it phase through her, but it disrupts her phasing. She is no longer able... I thought she could phase through technology. She is no longer able to unphase at this point. She is stuck in a perpetually phased state. What? So she's just like translucent all the time? Kind of fading away. Has oh, to be kept no. in a separate, like special container. She's sent off to Muir Island to work with Moira and to have... This is a tragedy. Yep. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Is also gravely injured. What happened to him? At first, he's injured in the issue before the Mutant Massacre starts, which we'll come back to when we talk about Rachel. Double whammy. He was injured in that issue before, in X-Men 209, Uncanny X-Men number 209. He was injured in a fight. He disappears after fighting Nimrod. Nimrod. I love Nimrod. And he seemingly lost his ability to teleport or it's 
pushed to the max. He eventually regains some of it, but it's extremely strenuous for him to do so. It's interesting that both of these people who can kind of like, their their powers are similar in a way of like teleportation versus phasing, that both of them are losing that ability right before this Excalibur business. Well, I mean, so this is all happening in 86. This is, this is, oh. Excalibur's not on the map. This is pretext. Okay, this, this is, is way before. Yeah. Understood. This is just to, this is why Kitty and Nightcrawler are on Muir Island because gotcha. he's overtaxed in this fight against the Marauders trying to save his friends. He gets critically injured. So they're there for a good amount of time. Yeah. They're just, he's in a coma. She's in a unfazed, un, unsolidified state. Terrible. And then what happened? The only other... Th- so that was the first X-Men crossover. Mm-hmm. The second X-Men crossover, the X-Men team dies. The whole team? The whole team. The team that is currently in Uncanny X-Men dies. They are reborn almost immediately by Roma. Roma. Who's Roma? She'll come up gradually in... She's connected to Excalibur. Okay. Um, Who was the team? Who's the Uncanny team? Refresh me. The team that died, Dazzler, Longshot, Rogue, no. Storm, no. Wolverine, oh my. Colossus, <gasps> Psylocke, Havoc, and Madeline Pryor. Dun, dun, dun. But then they're all back. Boom, we're back. But we don't know that. We don't know that. We well, don't know we, that. We know that oh. as the reader, but the world, in world, they don't know that. So, oh. So they think they're all dead. Kitty and Nightcrawler think they're all dead. Oh my goodness. They must be devastated. They are, right? They, their friends have died while they were off recuperating on Muir Island. Muir Isle, as it's sometimes referred to. Muir Isle. This just kind of reminds me of Meow, Meow, Muir. And I will tell you a little. So Rachel has been gone. She disappeared in that same issue that Nightcrawler was initially injured in X-Men 209. Mm-hmm. And she's not really followed up with. She kind of goes off. I th- there was supposed to be a miniseries that never happened. Oops. That describes what happened to her. Spiral kind of leads her off into the body shop, into another world, and she disappears. And she's gone, and we don't know what happened. And we don't really... We, we kind of get like the the hints of what might have happened, or at least some, some intrigue as to, oh, where's Rachel been? But she basically gets written off the book and no explanation, really. Oh, sorry, Rachel. So that all happened... In like 1986, we're starting in 1988. Okay. So nothing of importance that relates to this story happened in those other two years. I mean, that's all you need to know for these characters. Okay. Other things happened, sure. It's just right, but not that we need, not to, to, know need to know for this story. Right. Okay, now yep. may I open it? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Page turn noise. <laughs> the sword is drawn. So... Kitty's getting up. She's disoriented. She's been sleeping. What's going on? We, we just start right in the middle of it. And I do want to shout out, before we really get into this, I do want to shout out an Excalibur-based podcast that just recently started. Oh, really? The Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast that is hosted by three people, one of them being Andrew DeMann from the Claremont Run. Oh, snap. Another being Anna Papard, who is a comic scholar who mm-hmm. also publishes work on comics and and graphic narrative and the third is chris maverick who is a phd student who is also in to literature and comics and co-hosts uh, another podcast vox popcast which i actually started watching because i, I started checking out his other work mm-hmm. uh, really interesting so it's three really smart really informed comics professionals talking about excalibur talking about excalibur if you're into excalibur check them out Check it out. Cool. Oh, we should also creative team this baby. Yeah. I don't have that page in oh, front no. of me. So. Ugh, I always feel so much pressure when it's me who has to do this. Okay. The Sword is Drawn. Written by Chris Claremont. Penciler Alan Davis. Anchor is Paul Neary. With special thanks to Mark Farmer for assistance. Letterer Tom Orzowski. Colorist Glennis Oliver, Glennis Oliver, question mark, editor, Anne Nocenti, assistant director, Terry Cavanaugh, editor-in-chief, Tom DeFalco. I did it. Look at me. Let's get into it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
We wake up right in the story with Kitty. She doesn't know what's going on. It seems like she's dreaming. We just start. She's disoriented. She's disoriented, but let's just, let's just for just a hot second, I just want to talk about her posters on her wall because one of them in particular stuck out to me because it's Mikhail Barishnikov, who is a crazy famous ballerina. And that's just cool. Like, why is this poster in her room? I don't know. Kitty, I love you. Great. Okay, carrying on. And on the next page. Wait, what? What is this? There's an X-Men comic being like thrown at her? Disoriented. <laughs> okay, disoriented. Got it. Whoa. We are on set. A big splash page of this odd world and this director of Professor Xavier in a chair. Yeah, yeah. Just take all that in because there's a lot of inside just gags and jokes on characters and their relationships. Some of them you won't know and recognize. Wait, who is this in the understudy chair? Havoc. <laughs> That's what I thought. Is he like supposed to be like Cyclops' understudy? I would assume. Burn. Yeah. Which just adds to the confusion. Mojo, mojo everywhere. Do you know who Mojo is? I've heard of Mojo. Something about creating a TV show or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. With, it's not real, but it's real, but it's projected or some craziness. Something like that. Okay. Mojo. And Kitty says, the X-Men, they're alive. She's overtaken with emotion. Like I just said, the X-Men died in the fall of the mutants crossover. And I say crossover in quotations, and I said, you know, kind of crossover, because they don't really cross over. They just thematically talk about similar things. So it's not really a crossover. Got it. And what is up with this creepy saw-looking face of a lady? She don't have any eyes. There's there, an older story of Psylocke having her eyes taken out from Slaymaster. And this is a, a dream sequence that Kitty is stuck in. And there's mention of Mojo. You see Mojo on things. Mojo actually implanted robotic eyes into Psylocke so that he could see through her. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Kitty trips and falls into Rogue, but nothing happens when she touches her. What? None of their powers seem to be working. Only when Director Xavier says action and his his facial expression on that panel. You're crazy. Crazed. Madman. All of a sudden, everyone's back to normal. And look at me. I can phase. How could I dream something so cruel? And why can't I break out of it? You forget. Dreams are sometimes windows to other realities. Ooh. Other realities. It's Rachel. And it's Rachel. This has to be a dream sequence. We haven't seen Rachel for two years. And this is kind of where things get complicated. Like I had said before, in X-Men 209, Rachel is tempted to follow someone and be remade. She's had a traumatic past. She grew up in the Days of Future Past timeline. Mm -hmm. Grave injuries caused by a couple of interactions with one with Celine and then also one with Wolverine. Do I know who Celine is? I don't think so. Okay. She is a really old vampire woman, kind of. Yeah, definitely do not know who that is. She sucks the life energy out of people. She's also cool. messes around with the Hellfire Club occasionally. Cool, cool, cool. And was at the time of Rachel's disappearance. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, all right, all right. And everybody freaks out. Baby Phoenix is what she's called. You're not in this production. You had your chance at stardom, Baby Phoenix, and blew it. When your teammates needed you most... You ran out on them. Ooh, Director Xavier is mad. Coming down with the the law. And everybody captures Phoenix. There's just all of a sudden they got chains everywhere. And Kitty on the next page with the assist freeing Rachel as she becomes the Phoenix Flame. You what? done messed up, y'all. This is not good, friends. This is not good. But then, Warwolves. Now, Warwolves, we this is their first appearance. So we don't really know a whole lot about them. But they take on the husks, the skins of other people. Oh, so all those people were not people. They were werewolves the whole time. Seems like it. Or on the next page. Or it was just a dream. Was it? Or was it? Or was it a window into another reality? Dun, dun, dun. So she's outside. Kitty's outside. She goes out onto the bluffs of Muir Island and sees a phoenix shape in the sun. But how? If it was a dream, but how? Now, like I mentioned before, she's naturally in a state of phased. She's still, quote unquote, broken, 
in her powers, but also her mentality. She's shaken. You know, the fact that she knows that the X-Men have died mm-hmm. and she feels not responsible, but feels as though she should have been there. Yes, of course. She's grieving the loss of the X-Men, but she only thinks they're dead because she wasn't there. She's been stuck on Mural Island for basically two years. Dolphins! I Megan, dolphins. Megan and dolphins. And this oh, is... Yeah, Megan. What? I was like, oh yeah, and Megan. And Megan. So we are introduced to Megan. Megan and Captain Britain are primarily cultivated in the Marvel UK offshoot. Marvel UK being an attempt to bring Marvel Comics to the United Kingdom. Okay. Featuring stories and characters that are more rooted in UK storylines. Okay. All right. Okay. Welcome, Megan. And as she's going with these dolphins, she sees the phoenix as well. She wants to talk to Brian about it. Hope he's, he's awake and not mad. Brian? Brian, Brian Braddock, Betsy's brother. Yes, I know this from my sneaky reading today. So she comes in and she finds all these clues of destruction, memories in the television. She sees the report that Betsy has died. (gasps) She's not only Psylocke, but Brian's twin sister. She's died? She's died in the the fall of the mutants. Oh. How many times I gotta tell you that? <laughs> well, I just forgot that you said Psylocke earlier, so oh. I thought it was never mind. <laughs> and we're introduced to Brian Braddock, who Megan remarks of the smell. He is drunk. He is sad drunk. He is depressed. You know, the death comes with the costume. He's lamenting on this idea of what it means to be a superhero. Yikes. And that's kind of where he comes from in terms of his storyline prior to this. He was created by Chris Claremont, Mm -hmm. but then really cultivated and developed by Alan Moore. Alan Moore wrote V for Vendetta. Oh, cool. He also wrote The Watchmen. Mm. Captain Burton is pretty much his only Marvel work, but he created the idea of the 616. Oh. And the multiverse. Because there's multiverse. <gasps> cool. Mm-hmm. So Megan's trying to console Brian, his sister's death not being his fault, but he lashes out. Now, Megan's character is, her powers, she's a she's an empath. Oh, I relate to you, Megan. She's an empath and a metamorph, but also an elemental slash manip- energy manipulator. Now, how that intersects is kind of interesting. She she takes on subconsciously the emotions, the physicalities, the things around her, sometimes beyond her control, especially in the beginning. So mm-hmm. she's emotionally impacted. You can see in that middle panel on the second page that you're looking at, like her, her face is, is physically changed yeah. because of the way she feels about herself. Well, also, if she's taking in how other people feel, how Brian feels is affecting her. Mm -hmm. And she's always trying to be who she thinks Brian needs her to be. Wants to connect with a friend. She she wants to, to be able to be there for him. And she thinks the best way to do this is to go see a friendly face. Go see, go bring someone that knew Betsy or that had a connection to Betsy. So she's going to leave a note. Yes, a, quite, quite a note she's leaving. Megan, go. Lighthouse, arrow, To the house cat. with a cat. Heart. X house. Well, it's an X house. Mm-hmm. There's an X over the house with a cat. So she's leaving the lighthouse to go see Kitty. Mm-hmm. Love. Love, Megan. Love, Megan. And we're back on Muir Isle. The gymnasium, fun and games. As Nightcrawler, just being a general badass. He's fighting all these like swashbuckling robots. Look at their look at their hats. Oh look yeah, feathers. Oh, I see their hats. I see their feathers. This is this is peak Nightcrawler, and he's training against them. Just the swashbuckling nature of his character. This this is really where this gets not really introduced, but cultivated and developed further. Mm-hmm. He's always been kind of a, a fun and games. He he wants to be everybody's friend. He wants to be like that lovable elf that everybody is friends with and he's fighting against these and he teleports instinctively (gasps) he did it but he's not supposed to he can do it it's just it strains him greatly oh and on that second page he's just like so dumb so weak 
and he's trying to make a move for the termination sequence. Yikes. He's too weak to teleport. He's almost going to be attacked as Kitty saves the day. And she lays into him like, what are you playing at here? You had the safety protocols off. Why would you do that, man? He was testing himself. He wanted to make sure he was still of use, of value, still had it in him. But but that is reckless. Nightcrawler. <laughs> and she talks to him, you turned off a full bore combat exercise with the safety interlocks disconnected so soon after your release from Moira's hospital. Are you crazy? Lucky for you, the backup alarms sounded in the house the minute you started. I had to learn, Kitty, if I had lost my edge. Uh-oh. Well, you know, it's like one day out of the hospital doesn't mean you're fully recovered, man. It just means you're not in critical condition to be in the hospital. Silly night crawler. So yeah, Kitty's calling him out. She, she's basically yelling at him, what, did you feel like you missed out on dying because all the X-Men are dead? And he's oh, trying to, yeah. no. Right, a little too real, but also their relationship. You know, you saw in Days of Future Past how they had this very uncomfortable relationship at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Since then, you know, that was in 1980. Since then, they grew and became friends and became teammates mm-hmm. and almost like a, like a brother-sister relationship. And then she tells him about her dream. She tells him about her dream. I had a dream. A dream? Dream twins. Oh, he had a dream too? He had the same dream. The same dream? The X-Men, Xavier as the director, Rachel, Warwolves, everything. Same dream. Same exact dream. Seems like it's not What does it all mean? We have to do something. Seems like you got to find out who this mojo guy is and get to this alternate reality. That's what I'm saying. Not yet. Okay. But speaking about alternate realities, on the next page, we meet Gatecrasher and Snee. Who the heck? They're looking for the person in charge, and they cannot wait. Snee lets them know someone's incoming. And Megan! Megan is here! Hello, Kitty. Who? Megan, Captain Britain's girlfriend. Well, she certainly knows how to make an entrance. By the way, Captain, who's Captain Britain? Nightcrawler's been in a coma. Nightcrawler's been out of it for... He's like, what are you talking about What are you about talking about? Exactly? Who are these people? They're just coming in here? Megan knows Gatecrasher, doesn't trust them, especially around Brian, but they're delivering a message from Opaluna Saturnine. I am responsible for the maintenance of order and reality in this sector of creation, the Omniversal Majestrix. What? What? Who, who does... Who does... Lady... The Omniversal Majestics. <laughs> Where she come from? Opal Luna Saturnine. It's a message from Gatecrasher. So she's like uh, R2-D2 projecting the message. Basically, yes. Okay. Got it now. And Megan reacts, the witch. I never understood what Brian saw in her. So there's some backstory with Opal Luna Saturnine. There's a, there's a lot of backstory that we're not getting because of the Captain Britain mythology, the Captain Britain storyline, all of the things that has been built up in there is kind of crashing into what is kind of an offshoot of X-Men comics. Okay. So it's this meld of, here's some X-Men you love, here's some UK guys that we got, and we're bringing them together and we're making this new story. Hope you can keep up. Hope you can keep up because we're just starting in the middle of the story. The Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast kept on saying in media res, which just in the middle of it, you're just in the story. They're fancy. Right. I had to look it up. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to call her alternate universe Emma Frost. You can do that. It. She <laughs> has nothing to do with Emma Frost and that will prove confusing when we meet her again in Dawn of X. Okay. I won't really call her that, but look at her. She she's looks very blonde, much. She's dressed in all white. She's blue lips and blue eyeshadow and she's fierce as AF. Okay. Alternate universe Emma Frost for now. Gatecrasher's TechNet are my duly authorized agents responsible for the apprehension of this threat to reality, more commonly known as Phoenix, who is believed to be en route to Sol 3, the planet Earth. Sol 3? I hereby charge and require that the inhabitants thereof, as a sentient species, offer all appropriate assistance in this endeavor. She sounds very robotic. Well, she's not. She's not. She's just from a different reality. So, so is this saying like Rachel's been off wreaking havoc as Phoenix all this time and other universes and 
we're coming to take her because she's in trouble. So I don't know that they're necessarily saying that she's wreaking havoc, but she is a threat to this universe and she's on her way here. And Opaluna Saturnine, you can just call her Saturnine. She has hired the TechNet. She has hired the TechNet <laughs> to be bounty hunters and retrieve Rachel. Ooh, bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. And on that full spread, we see the lineup of the TechNet. They're crazy looking. Yeah. And they're all from. Like in the coolest way. Yeah. They're all from various extra dimensional worlds, basically powered aliens for hire to do whatever you need them to do. Look at this like snake lady. Frog dude, giant babe, giant baby brain. <laughs> I'm going to name them from now on. And on the next page, it breaks out into a fight. A fight. Sounds like fighting words. Ha. But why are they fighting? Because they're saying we're coming for Rachel. Like you don't even know where Rachel is. You only saw her in a dream. Well, so they're fighting because they told her that we're coming to take your friend. We're going to imprison her because she's a threat to reality. And they also don't seem to want to deal with with them and gatecrasher says hush you boastful reptile the tech net by nature abhors violence but if provoked will be happy to indulge in whatever level of physical confrontation you desire and then this like weird praying mantis lizard thing just like gulps up megan just like whoop that's body bag that's what its name is body bag gross it, it just seems like our heroes our three heroes that we know or, or who we are potentially connecting with are wildly outmatched and don't know the TechNet's abilities. And to be fair, neither do we, really. Right. Unless you've been reading Captain Britain comics. Not me. But we don't get any more answers on that just yet. We're kind of on this interdimensional trip as Rachel's falling through reality and appears someplace unknown. And I think that this just kind of underscores this idea that there's interdimensional travel throughout this book, throughout this title, and connected to Excalibur. And also, like, crazy realities were crazy characters are all just hanging out and Rachel just happens to fall into their cake. Yep. I'd be mad. Devil Lady, Frankenstein, Chainsaw Rat, Genie Man, the Mad Hatter, kind of. Quite interesting. Quite interesting. And she's not willing to stick around she's not interested and she tries to escape fake thor indiana jones the mummy where are we what is happening we don't know i'm just reacting like real-time reaction (laughs) and we get a full splash page boom as the warwolves appear Uh uh-oh warwolves mojo sent them after me it's interesting how in the panels right before they appeared, this whole idea of them all like grabbing chains and holding her down is the same thing that you saw in the dream, but it was different people mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Warwolves can change the the bodies that they take over. So their silver wolf-like body is their natural state, but then they take on the, the form of other people. Well, kind of looks like from this image because it looks like guts are spraying everywhere that they were just like inside these other bodies and then they exploded those other bodies yep gross <laughs> poor things they're destroyed now war wolves mojo sent them after me but following and catching are uh-oh they're immune to my telekinesis <gasps> i can't get a firm grip on them i'll throw a table at them instead <laughs> it's not working you ripped my costume. Well, it also kind of shred- shreds into her back. Ouch. And she reacts. And you, Warwolf, haven't the slightest notion of what you're up against. Your master used these chains to bind me. Only fair they serve the same purpose for you. She throws the Warwolf through a wall to reveal she's in London. London? Hmm. Look, it's Big Ben. Mm-hmm. Coming soon, Animal House. I just love looking at the weird like details in the background. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, Alan Davis is a, an amazing creator. His art. Ooh, his... Clockwork Orange, too. Mm. I now look at everything with the insane, insane detail that I looked at WandaVision. <laughs> What's on the marquee? What does it mean? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, let's keep going. 
Warwolves in London. <laughs> oh man, I cracked myself up. Do you what? know why? Werewolves in London, the right, song. Right. But now they're just warwolves running around London. And they don't but they don't know London. They're not native to London. And everyone's getting giving them reactions. Everyone's kinda seeing this this happening. And we get some we get some information about her Rachel's deal with Mojo, the quote unquote contract that she had. You don't understand, Warwolf. I'm free and no one's ever going to cage me again. Uh oh. I love that that image where she's just busting out as the Phoenix. She's just busting out. I am the Phoenix now. Hmm. So Rachel gets away from the wounded warwolves. She hears all the fears from people. You can kind of see the way that her face splits, almost like a spider sense. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. It looks Mm -hmm. like spidey senses. And so that's somewhat of her hound backstory, where that's kind of where her costume comes from, is that hound life. And you know hounds from Powers of Ten. And the Gifted. Yep. So that Rachel was raised as a hound to basically turn on her people, to hunt, to use her telepathy to find mutants. Whoa. And that's part of the deep trauma that she comes with and, and that forms her character relationship to not trust the world. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow we hear or we see Gatecrasher and Smee noticing the howls of the werewolves. They know where she is now. I sense the star child. Mm-hmm. Kurt goes back to the lighthouse. Back at a certain lighthouse. The one where Captain Britain is drunk, perhaps? Oh, yeah. And he's just, what a mess. And the stench is worse. Ah, even Wolverine's binges were never as bad as this. What happened to you, Air Captain? What you need, Air Captain? Wait, he just throws him in the ocean. Yes, is a bath. He just throws it. He doesn't have time for this. You know, there's there's people hunting his friend Rachel. There's, there's interdimensional bounty hunters. It's like the next step of like, just splashing someone or like dumping a bucket of water on Throw them. Throw them in like, the ocean. You just got to go full in the water. Be Captain Britain. You can fly. I don't have time for you to be a mess. Earn your apology because he's flipped out. He's, he's flipped out on him. Nightcrawler. Well, he he's trying to kill him. Right. By all the sainted devils, someone tried to kill me. Hardly. You're doing well enough on that score by yourself, which I find it interesting that Nightcrawler didn't know who Captain Britain was, but Captain Britain knows who Nightcrawler is. Well. Because I also think that, well... I, Nightcrawler has met Brian, but maybe did not know that Brian he was, was Cap- Captain Brian. He didn't Britain. know his secret identity. Yeah. And they're sitting over coffee trying to wake him up. By the time I returned to the house after teleporting away, Gatecrasher was long gone with both Kitty and your foil and Megan. I dug up your file and spent the rest of the day getting here. I, I need your help. To be honest, though, I'm wondering if I made a mistake. What is wrong with you, man? Friends are in danger. Among them, the girl you supposedly love. Doesn't that matter? Don't you care? Of course I do. It's just, what's the point? Right. So this is this kind of depression that he's in. Captain Britain also has recently died and been resurrected. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. He's gone through a lot of trauma himself. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it's just, and also the multiverse and being part of the Captain Britain Corps. Captain Britain Corps being, there is a Captain Britain on each reality on each world and they oh. are they are the protectors of the reality like dr strange kind of yeah interesting so nightcrawler explains his journey from the technet to the lighthouse and he, he's shaking him with xavier's dream he, he's trying to he's trying to preach to him of the things that we're supposed to be doing as heroes and brian rebuttals that that's what got my sister killed yikes yikes and it's interesting just the depth of Kurt's feelings now and his loss of wanting to be there for his family. It's the same thing that we were talking about with Kitty earlier. Yeah, but he also is saying, sometimes all I yearn for more than anything is to have been given the chance, the privilege of standing with the X-Men and sharing their fate. Right. Like he's saying he wishes he was dead. He's saying he wished he was able to save the world and and die with his friends. Whoa. He sees... 
X, the X-Men's loss, the loss of life of the X-Men as the greatest hero's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And he, he wishes that he was a part of that. That makes sense. Instead of being on the sidelines for the last couple of years. It's funny because now I wish that I had said it. But when you said earlier when we were explaining things and you said, oh, yeah, Kate and Nightcrawler were, weren't there and they didn't know. I like instantly thought in my head and they're both going to have complexes now about how this is all their fault and they should have been there. Mm-hmm. I should have said it. And it's all going to be kind of fake when they realize that they've been reborn. Yikes. But it's real for them. Right. Or at least it's written real for them. If that is more than you can handle, Captain Britain, I am sorry to have troubled you. Yikes. Burn. You're a superhero, man. You got you to gotta have your moment, cry it out. You don't, under, it. you don't understand. You don't know what it's like to actually die. I mean, that's valid. Mm-hmm. Responding with that weight of having known what it is like to die. And it's it's what's driving him overboard. It's what's making him react with this. These, these memories, this outrage that he has in the apartment after Kurt walks away. But do you, Air Braddock, have even the slightest idea what it's like to truly live? Ooh, Nightcrawler with that wisdom. Mm, that poetic bomb drop as he walks out. And we're back in London. Rachel, undercover, wondering where to go next. The X-Men are my family, but I'm the prodigal girl who ran out on the X-Men when they needed her most. I betrayed their trust. Serve me right if they slam the door in my face. So she probably doesn't even know that they're dead. She's been off world. She's been Yeah, she has no idea. Right. But and then behind, then she's looking in a little window and you see the sword in the stone and Excalibur and the Knights of the Round Table. Camelot 3000. Wait, the once and future king. Hold on. Yep. That was the poster on Kitty's wall. That was the poster. <gasps> what does it mean? Technet comes up behind them. Body bag. Oh, God. It just like <laughs> gulps her up again. Burps. And on that page, it reached your limit, poor thing? Not to worry. Now that we have our prize, we can dispense with the other two. And no, that does not mean dinner. We'll leave them here. Ah, my pets. I do so love it when a caper comes yeah. together. So he just holds them in these little gross bubbles little on his back yep. until he's ready to just get rid of them? Yep. Yeah. Trouble! The werewolves come. Trouble. Because they're after... Oh, the werewolves are on a different team than the, these people? The werewolves are working for Mojo. Technet's working for Opalunar Saturnine. They both want Rachel. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to say that name. Saturnine. Opal Lunar... Luna. Luna. Oh, like Harry Potter. Opal Luna Saturnine. Okay. The Omniversal Majestrix. Alternate reality, I'm a frost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a big fight. Technet versus the Warwolves. Whoa. Nice thing about Rachel, thinks Kurt. She broadcasts such a powerful and distinctive bio pattern that the portable Cerebro sensor pack I brought with me from Muir Island led me right to her. Ah, yes. The portable Cerebro sensor pack. Yep. Yeah, you don't need a telepath for Cerebro anymore. It's your travel size Cerebro. And he jumps in and dodges the fight, opening the bags using the werewolves against their common enemy. Be free, captive friends. And I think it's interesting. We kind of get some some context on the effects of body bag. Rachel is not as affected because she was just taken in, but the other two are almost paralyzed. Oh, because there's probably some kind of like goo, something in that goo. Sub- subduing agent, yeah. They're totally limp. Those cocoons must contain some narcotic to keep body bags captives tractable. But Rachel's mostly conscious. Gatecrasher is about to slam Kurt in the face when Captain Britain comes dun, dun, dun. to save the day. I strongly suggest, Gatecrasher, that you restrain yourself and reconsider this particular operation or you'll answer to me. Ooh. She doesn't look scared. She's not impressed. And then, boom. One of the other guys just uses a werewolf. a werewolf to just hit him. Yeah. Smashes him into a window. Mm-hmm. Rachel's bound up. K 
Kitty is expanded in some way. Yeah, what is that? What exactly is happening? Joy Boy takes her fondest desire to be solid once more and makes it rude reality. Oh, okay. Right, so kind of playing on the things that she wants, but in a twisted way. And the fight continues as we see a little bit more display of each of these TechNet characters and their powers. This is Waxworks. The merest touch and the body loses all firmness. Ugh. These are characters that are going to come back. These, these are setting up two sides of something that's going to be a part of Excalibur, not the whole of Excalibur because Excalibur becomes this kind of reality hopping cross time team. Oi, what does this snake mermaid lady do? What's her power? So China doll will shrink you to a prettier size. That's her name, I guess, China Doll. Mm-hmm. And she shrinks things. Context clues slash answers in the dialogue. Yeah. So China Doll shrinks the werewolf. Megan interacts with Waxworks, who turns her body to jello. As from behind, Scatterbrain takes on Captain Britain. And so Scatterbrain. As her caress fires all his neural synapses at once. So she's just making his brain go like, everything's happening, too much simulation. be overloaded and lose control. Nightcrawler coming in on that next page, and he acknowledges it. We're being slaughtered. Hardly surprising, I suppose. The opposition are functioning as teams. We aren't. Good point. He takes that werewolf and he flings the werewolf into... The TechNet creatures. It's a good point because, you know, Nightcrawler's had limited experience as a leader, but is aware of what it takes to be a, a solid team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like they really have a leader or a person calling their shots, just a bunch of people that have to come together to, yeah, even for some reason, at, decide they want to save Rachel. At this last minute. I have no idea where she's been for the last few years. No, I mean, she's part of their family, you know? Right. No, I'm just saying. She could be evil now. You don't know. Oh, and then Rachel breaks free of yeah. her energy rings. Takes out that little baby. Joy Boy is defeated and... Wah, 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 wah. Tide's turning. Here, Dollface, work your miniaturizing magic on your boss. And so they start using oh, them snap. against each other. Kitty with a punch to the face. But before anything really happens, they're vanishing, teleporting. Then we won. But what about the werewolves? Gone as well. Where'd they go? Into the sewers on that last panel. And they're all kind of coming together as the aftermath of this fight. Everyone's happy to reconnect, but there's destruction all around them. And the window is strategically broken to reveal Excalibur. Just sitting right there, looking yeah. like, please somebody pull this sword out of this stone. Anybody? Anybody? One thing about us X-Men types, you can always tell where we've been. If not from the mess, then from the faces of the innocent bystanders. Yeah, that's truth. All superheroes have that flaw. Yeah. Rachel, is that really you? Warts and all. A bit the worse for wear, I'm afraid. We believed you dead. You forget, Fuzzy Elf. I'm Phoenix! If I die, it's only to be reborn. Hopefully better and brighter than before. Like This is a, this is a great moment of them coming together. This is the first time that they've been together like this and, and been kind of... I don't know that Rachel knows that the X-Men are dead. Yeah, you said that. Oh, actually, yeah, no. And they're crying and they're hugging and it's a beautiful moment. And we're, we're telling campfire stories on the next page. Kitty's talking about her first danger room experience from Uncanny X-Men 141. So Professor Xavier spends weeks programming the danger room for my trial session and I walk through it untouched with my eyes closed. Kurt's telling a story. Wolverine challenged me to walk down the main street of Salem Center, undisguised in my natural shape. (laughs) Oh, Nightcrawler, I'd give anything to have seen that. It was an experience. It was an experience. Your turn, Rachel. Any memories of the X-Men you'd care to share? Not the kind you mean, Kitty. Not the kind I trust. What does that mean? They're not real memories? The facts in my head, they're so jumbled up. I don't know anymore what's real and what isn't. What actually happened? What's a lie? 
She's going through a lot with like just her ability to believe what's real or not. She's been in this mojo world where everything's kind of at the discretion of mojo and being controlled and manipulated. And on the bottom of that page, we see Rachel talking about the dream, Captain. Charles Xavier's dream of a world where all Earth's children, mutant and otherwise, live together in peace and harmony, where people are judged for who they are, not what they look like or how they're born. That's why he created the X-Men, to exemplify that dream. Are you saying simply because the X-Men are dead, we're supposed to give it up? Yeah, like, no, you're not. On this next page, it's kind of, I, I as I was reading this the other day, reading it again, it feels like a long stretch. Like you should have limbered up a little bit more before you made that stretch as they connect it to King Arthur and his sword Excalibur, the symbol of it, of a world where might served right instead of subjugating it. His knights of the round table were the agents of that dream and his sword Excalibur, the symbol of it. He died. The table was destroyed. His knights mostly slain, yet the dream survived. They became legends. So the so Rachel's like telling this story through the fire because she's the phoenix. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and and they're relating, saying, "Well, the X Men are basically like the Knights of the Round Table." So just because, just because King Arthur's dead doesn't mean we should give it up. I've run my whole life. I can't remember a time when I wasn't afraid. I let people tell me what to do. It's easier that way, you know. Saves you from having to take responsibility for anything. Well, I'm tired of running. I want to take a stand. Well, what are we going to do, Rachel? Lead us. Tell us what to do. You know, Megan, Megan, kind of. it's interesting because Kitty, Kurt, Rachel, they all have this direct experience with Xavier's dream. You know, they're all like, yeah, we're all family, you know, of course. And Megan's like, Rachel's life sounds much like mine, Brian. I won't have another... Anyone else endure such horror? I like this dream. It's worth fighting for. How about you? What the heck? Count me in with all my heart. And so with laughter and transcendent joy, the dream is reconsecrated and Excalibur, the most ancient and noble blade, once more redrawn. The beginning. Okay, so we have a team now. We have a team brought together by circumstance. The end of our introduction. Okay, Excalibur. What do you think? Okay, so first I just want to say that in all fairness, I did finish reading the new Excalibur and I said to you, I have no idea what just happened. I don't really understand this. Mm -hmm. And then you said, well, maybe this this episode will help. And I'm just going to let you know that it helped zero. Okay. Because the, the, the other issue is set in Camelot and has to do with witches. And that's where I was confused. It's like, who are these witches? What's happening? And... So this, but I, this it is, does help a little bit knowing a little bit about Captain Britain and who Megan is yeah. because I didn't know who she was and I was I had some questions about her. Um, so that's just a side note. Uh, so if you had just read, if we had just done this, did you did you have trouble following this story? No. Okay. So I think some of the in between that you would have gotten or that we'll go over in conversation when we talk about Excalibur from 2019. Yes will be, you know, why is Camelot in this other universe? Right. Yeah. So that stuff makes a little bit like, okay, this is the introduction of other universes. Who, who is Morgan Le Fay? Well, excuse me, your majesty. How dare you? Yeah. Queen anyway, Regent. We'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> Let's talk about this right now. Yeah. Yes. But so like that was my initial thought was I think I was expecting a, like I was waiting for it to connect to Camelot and it didn't quite go there. Well, King Arthur is from Camelot. Right. And I'll tell you, so, and this is, again, uh, you know, more of a, for the, that issue, Merlin, the wizard Merlin. Yes. Recognizing that Camelot was under siege into destruction, removed Camelot and placed it in Otherworld. Yes. Okay. Cool. Which is an alternate dimension, reality, universe Otherworld. Yeah. Otherworld. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, another that's fine. That's conversation. Fine. I thought that this was interest like an interesting story i like that if in the the large scheme of things we think the x-men are dead or they think the x-men are dead this is sort of like an offshoot story with some Mm -hmm. of the not like star characters 
sort of because like Kitty and Nightcrawler are kind of star characters. Yep. But I mean, um, Kitty and Nightcrawler, I feel like are bringing the power or or the name brand to this book that that makes it very loosely an X book. Yeah, it's definitely a good setup for what is to come because there's a lot of questions of you know Who's we want to know more about Mojo and the, the Warwolves and Warwolves and you know how that all connects and like what does Excalibur really mean because right now it seems like it's sort of just a metaphor or a reference like an idea that they're going off of this idea of being a knight or serving this purpose of um, you know the greater good basically mm -hmm. I think there's some really great depth to some moments with what's happening with Nightcrawler and his conversation with Captain Britain. So that was a good sort of um, character building moment. Mm -hmm. Entertained, visually very interesting. All of Yeah, we this. didn't really talk too much about the art, but... I N no, but I just... I, I'm really into all of like the tech net, like they're, the way they all look, mm -hmm. you know? They're very, it's very nostalgia cartoony for me. Mm. They're very expressive in like, almost like evil Muppets kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Cool. It was a good bit of X history. There you go. How do you feel about it? I like Excalibur. It's not my favorite. You know, I, I haven't read all of the issues. I've read a decent amount of the beginning and some of the times where it's crossed over, but Excalibur has like a cult following. Excalibur is, and and it grows into not really a whole lot of it's here, but it does grow into this interdimensional sex farce, like weird zany comedy. It, it, it has a very different tone from the other X books. That's cool. Is it like Knights of the Round Table-ish? Does it have like a medieval vibe to it? Or like kings and queens and stuff like that, or at times it has connections to that. So, and especially when you get to the other world, or when you get to these other universes, the other these other realities, there are elements of different societies, different worlds. Cool. Cool. Okay, so if the X Men are dead, are not dead. Does this team end up reconnecting with the X-Men? Do they know what's like? Because basically Kitty and Nightcrawler are like Kitty's still having problems. Like she's still kind of injured and can't fully mm -hmm. phase and Nightcrawler can't teleport. So they're just going to go off on an adventure with their injuries basically still happening. And yeah, I mean that. Claremont loves to have that kind of depth to his heroes, to his stories where they're not invincible, where they have very real things that could be dangerous to them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's cool. It's just, I just think that's like a question. It's like, so Moira was taking care of them and they just up and disappeared. Yeah, basically. <laughs> She's just like, well, okay, bye. See you guys when you come back. They're going to move into the lighthouse and that's going to be the base of operations for Excalibur. I would, you know. I'd like to know a little bit more about Megan. And I know she comes up in other comics. Like I've seen her in things. So that's cool. Megan. Captain Britain. He kind of seems like a jerk. I don't really like him that much. Yeah. But I know he's going through a lot. He's dealing with some stuff. It doesn't excuse how much of a jerk he is. <laughs> he's, he's very much, you know, and, and he has been in the comics previously. Jerk is a nice way to put it. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely interesting to see where it would be interesting to see where this story goes because basically all the villains just sort of like gave up that battle. We're like, okay, we can't win this battle, so we're going to disappear. But you know, there's basically two different entities that are fighting for right, like they want Rachel. Right. So that sets up a very interesting open ended story mm -hmm. with a lot of doors that could be opened or paths that I could go down. So yeah, nothing's been resolved. It's just really been introduced. And it's also interesting that they're saying, okay, we're going to sort of take on this responsibility of the X-Men and their idea, the dream of Charles Xavier, because they think that they're all dead. But I guess like wondering like, how'd they do that? Or 
their their bases now in in this lighthouse. So how are they going to set themselves up to know where the threats are or stuff like that? You know? Yeah. It's like how did, how are they going to do that, or are they actually just going to go on other adventures with that sort of being their mantra? Yeah, I think it's more that second one. You know, the X Men for all their their greatness are based in new york and there are things that happen outside of new york and this is kind of to what? that point yeah right danger There's exists things that happen outside of new york in comics right not not a whole lot not in marvel <laughs> that's why they had to make marvel uk it's good stuff it's good stuff you enjoyed it yeah i enjoyed it until next time old friend charles where was i in this book Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 